to us. Fires, touchdown Miami. Waddle snuck into the end zone of Miami. Boy, tight throw, tight window. They had to get that touchdown on that play. They get it. What is up, Dolph fans? And welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network, covering your team, your Miami Dolphins. How is it going, everybody? I am your host, Travis Wingfield. And on today's show, we're taking a look at camp so far with 10 takeaways from 10 days and 10 position groups with more of a macro view opposed to the daily micro view each day at practice. Plus, we'll talk about Warren Sharp's Dolphins chapter of his 2022 season preview. And I want to tell you a great about a great story, I should say, written on Mike McDaniel on The Athletic by Dan Pompey. All of that and much more from somewhere in South Florida. This is the Drive Time Podcast. That's another Miami Dolphins. So I got to thinking the last podcast came out on Sunday afternoon. And the next time you'll hear from me is probably Wednesday evening after the first joint of first of two joint practices with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and on the Twitter Spaces show on Wednesday night. So I thought we need to get another podcast in here. So no practice to recap today, but I thought 10 was a nice round number to look at things so far and just take sort of a 30,000 foot view of each position group. Now that we've seen them together, we've heard the pressers of a significant portion of the roster. We've heard the assistant coaches as well as coach McDaniel give their updates So what better time to do that? Starting with the quarterbacks here, and I've just really enjoyed watching the arc of a practice, our first takeaway, from the standpoint of working on a task in an individual drill and then the application of carrying it over into a team period and just how many team periods they have in practice, like practicing football, it's a good idea. You know, with Tua in particular, I've been really impressed by his ability to throw from awkward different platforms to me it looks smooth and sharp and I think it's a credit to the work that he's putting in and the influence of coach Bevel I think his timing looks really really sharp we heard Cedric Wilson mention the chemistry clicking quickly for those guys his feel looks like that of a third year quarterback playing with confidence the deep shot to Tyreek on Sunday I thought was a good example where you see Emmanuel Ogba going up against Austin Jackson kind of on an island off the one side of the offensive line, and you see Tua hit the top of his drop and pause for just a beat as something of a two-way go develops where Austin Jackson's in good shape, but Tua needs to collect the information on if the slide is going to be up or out. And what I mean by that is Ogba has yet to declare his move or his track. If he goes inside, Tua can slide backwards out behind himself, right? If he goes around the arc, then Tua can step up So you see that little hitch that's just ever so subtle, but he quickly gets back to balance and throws that dime we talked about in practice. It's been high level from what I can tell. And finally, I think the long ball stuff that was, you know, always misguided in my mind. I mean, we can put it to bed with what you've seen. Just come watch practice. It's there for you if you want to see it. But that's not the part about the arm talent to me that stands out the most. It's the zip to thread the needle between a trio of defenders on that waddle touchdown from... I think it was Saturday's practice. Regarding the rest of the room, I like how it has a little bit of everything. You have the young starter with the upside that comes with being the fifth pick of the draft. You have a steady veteran presence there in Teddy Bridgewater. Chances are like he's not going to surprise you, right? You know what he's capable of. And on top of that, 
He's a terrific teammate. And then finally, the late round rookie in Skylar Thompson, who has tools to develop. The combination in this offense of vertical and horizontal stretch, you go back and watch the Niners tape from a season ago and some of the principles that you might see with, with those stretches, with the use of play action, the changing of the throwing platforms, you know, Tua looking good on the move. I think all of this lends itself to what could be a quarterback-friendly offense. And man, when you've got a clean operation for this quarterback and you want to talk about a guy that will maximize the play around him in that instance, to me, that guy is Tua. I remember the easy or nay the lazy criticism of him coming out was that he played in a loaded offense there at Alabama but what I saw was a conductor of one of the sweetest symphonies we've ever seen in college football directing that offense to record-breaking performances by keeping all those mouths fed and happy I mean Henry Ruggs Jalen Waddle Devontae Smith Jerry Judy remember Nick Saban said he had never been around a guy like Tua that's got to count for something in my book at the running back position the burst and the home run hitting ability. And also, this will be a theme. The veteran presence, I think, allows you to be flexible to install any run game plan, run game game plan that you want on a given week. That's just, there's just a lot, or not a lot, I should say, in terms of what Chase Edmonds, Raheem Mostert, Sony Michelle, Miles Gaskin, what these guys have seen in their, their career. There isn't a lot that's going to fool them out there at this stage of their careers. And not to mention this camp, you know, Alec Ingold has had with all the dirty work he does in the running game and pass protection. And even when he's out in the pattern as a receiver, I just don't think you're going to see, you know, arm tackles, shoestring tackles, trip guys up with daylight the way it happened a season ago. You might have an equal number of, you know, short runs or stuffed runs. We hope not. But I think the big difference this year from, you know, the additions in that backfield that you're going to see is those eight to 10 yard runs that can become 50 to 70 yard runs. And, you know, if you don't love that, that's like what, how you would describe Barry Sanders' career, right? It's not about hitting consistent eight yard runs, but when you can pop the big one and get your explosives in the running game too, and build the passing game off that, I'd love to see it. Let's get a sip of coffee real quick. At wide receiver, we're going to talk about this article from The Athletic later on, but there's a quote from Coach in there about how you don't have to have speed, but it's very desirable to have the speed. Well, Coach, you've got arguably two of the fastest receivers doing it. I think the impact this could have to open up other elements with which we struggled last year, the intermediate passing game, the running game, you have to be hyper aware of that speed and that can force more off coverage. It causes indecisiveness when you you know have stacks or bunches or condensed formations it can force a too high shell and get that extra hat out of the box in the running game all very basic stuff right then the ripple effect for the rest of the group with Cedric Wilson Eric Ezukama they've both shown a real proclivity for winning deep and stacking defensive backs and making contested catches they both have shown they can run with it after the catch the spacing they can create and matchup identification in this receivers room I think is pretty apparent because you know you're going to see how the defense wants to react to where those two speed guys go. And then based off of that, you can kind of identify your matchups across the rest of the offense, whether it's a a receiver, a tight end, a running back, it just doesn't really matter. Then I think your screen game should be exponentially better on top of the flow of the running game. I mean, you might wind up with some looks where it's one-on-one to Cedric Wilson or Eric Ezukama with, you know, snap and throw a now route. And if that corner can't make a tackle, It's an explosive play because the help is funneled to the other side with, you know, 17 and 10. And finally, the route concepts that maximize the speed. A lot of the time, the viability of the play comes down to 
Can you run with Tyreek or Jalen for 25 yards across the football field? The answer is almost always no. The tight end position group, we played Coach McDaniel's audio on the tight end position the other day and how commendable the job the guys are doing is with regards to the sort of relearning of the position they want the staff, the way they want this, the staff wants that position to play the the position, for lack of a better term. And Coach has mentioned playing fast. That's only going to benefit a guy like Mike Gasicki who can really open it up and, and get down the field. On the offensive line, I think you have to be pleased with the growth and development so far from this group. And I think that really starts with the approach of, you know, like the tight ends, playing fast. Go back to one of the summer preview series podcasts, the offensive line. We detailed the relative athletic scores of this offensive line with Teron Armstead, one of the best RAS scores ever, and still holds the record for 40 time by an offensive lineman. Austin Jackson in the 90th percentile. Robert Hunt right up there like 88%. Connor Williams up there as well. Liam Eichenberg knocking on that door. I think we've seen that impact both in the way they've created space, but also how it's helped them start to realize some of that potential in pass pro too. I've been really, really impressed this camp by Liam Eichenberg. I thought Big Rob was excellent last year. I think Williams' intelligence inside is going to help out a young offensive line. And Austin has some really damn good work too so far. And then obviously we know about Teron Armstead, how he can help the entire offensive line because you can slide protection and squeeze a different portion of the pass rush and let him handle some guys one-on-one, especially if it's their best pass rusher. We'll go ahead and take our first break right here and come back on the other side and do the defense. That's next here on the Drive Time Podcast. Your host, Travis Wingfield, brought to you by AutoNation. If you've been listening to the practice recaps so far as we spin forward to the defensive line portion of our 10 days, 10 takeaways, 10 position groups podcast here on the Drive Time Podcast, we'll be with you tomorrow in Tampa Bay to cover that first of two joint practices with Miami and Tampa Bay. But if you've been listening to the practice recap pod, you've heard all about Christian Wilkins, Zach Sealer, and Raekwon Davis and the gang up front. John Jenkins has had a strong camp as well, and his veteran presence is just another... You know, each one of these groups has one of those guys that almost has like a mayor type of presence. You know, T-Stead, Tyreek, Chase Edmonds, John Jenkins, E-Rob at linebacker, Javon in the secondary for a young guy. I think it speaks to the balance of the roster and the team's approach this offseason to really pair that young talent with proven resumes who can moonlight their role in terms of their mentorship, like have more than just an on-field tangible impact. And this will be a theme, you know, the absurd flexibility in terms of guys that can play the one shade, you know, off either shoulder of the center, all the way out to a five technique, you know, pulling up against a tackle. You have the athletic ability to drop in the hook zone. I mean, see Christian Wilkins' pick against the Rams back in 2020. You have power to play head up for your bare fronts, your odd fronts, your even fronts, and, you know, to hold things up for all that speed you have in the second level and that third level. You have the ability to penetrate and play upfield with your hair on fire. Like, that's the theme, right? Any type of offensive attack that you see, I think this defense is equipped to evolve to the best version of itself to handle whatever attack is thrown at them, and it starts up here on the defensive line. I mean, you know, throw Ogba into that mix too, talking about a guy that can play, you know, down off the edge, a true DM position, uh, four po- or three-point stance, four-point stance, and get some one-on-one pass rush wins. It's it's across the board. And then you get to the linebacker group where, you know, the majority of our edge guys exist. And that's there's just so much variety in this position that's also littered with insane depth. Jalen Phillips, Andrew Van Ginkle, and Melvin Ingram have all had their successes in this league and so far in this camp. And they do it, along that same theme with different variables, different body types and approaches to the game. 
And to me, that says two things. You can be really matchup-based once again because we've seen Melvin play literally all over the defense as recently as last year with Pittsburgh and Kansas City. We've seen Phillips played wide, condense inside, and really fine-tune all three phases of his game. We've seen hand-in-the-dirt, stand-up, coverage, rush, run game from Van Ginkle. And, you know, he's more of a... uh, thinner build but a speed guy that can really shorten the corner opposed those other guys play with a little more heavy hands and through players and then on top of that it's it's just again this crazy crazy depth you can play all those guys you know all these snaps and keep them fresh as well like it's it, that group's only going to help itself out the further we get down the line here I think and that's on top of you know that's the top of the iceberg I should say there's the tip of the iceberg because Brandon Scarlett's run defense is a staple of his game he's had a good camp doing that Jerome Baker does so much to add to the team speed and really helps this defense stay you know evolve to a heavy defensive back package last year 21% dime packages for this Dolphins defense at six defensive backs that was most in the NFL and a player like Jerome Baker allows you to do that that stats per sports info solutions by the way Alandon Roberts has been, you know, thwarting short yardage attempts since I can remember. So when you want to go heavy, bring in extra offensive linemen, bring in 12 personnel, 13 personnel, you have that guy to come in there and knock heads. Duke Riley and Sam Egwavon play so fast and can give you variety on both teams and sub packages. It's the depth and variety here. It's the main takeaway from that group. You also have, again, the flexibility to play even fronts, odd fronts. You can win with and without pressure in terms of your pass rush because of guys like Melvin, Jalen, uh, Emmanuel outside, Christian and Zach inside, and all that flexibility just allows you to stay creative with your rushing game plans. You can manufacture pressures because the offense can't simply identify who's coming and who's dropping. Then you plug in a guy like Channing Tindall, who you can already see out there every day in practice, showcasing talents that frankly garner a higher draft pick than the end of the third round for my money. He didn't have the snaps or volume of tape, I suppose, to justify it, but man, the talent sure as hell does. And the beauty of this linebacker room is you don't have to be in a hurry with a guy like that. He can even just do game plan specific stuff where it's, you know, a handful of snaps in a game on defense in certain packages and get ramped up and continue to contribute on special teams too. Really curious to see how his his workload evolves as the year goes along, but he just... It's crazy the depth that you have there when you're talking about Tyndall as a guy that can do that and kind of, you know, be a slow burn if you so choose. At cornerback, Xavier Howard and Byron Jones have been such a dynamic duo that really serves as the linchpin for this style of versatile, aggressive, pressure-based defense with the solid man coverage on the back end and their ability to play really whatever coverage you want them to. But the key to it all is how they disrupt timing in the passing game with their physical style. style, And they can do that because of the recovery ability to play that style. But then inside, Nick Needham has been like a revelation kicking inside, right? He's also played some post-safety when, when Javon Holland was down last year. The versatility he shows. Noah Igbenogany certainly fits that bill from a makeup and physicality standpoint. And I think Trill Williams, him and Igbo both have been so good in this camp. And I'm inclined to trust what this staff has on their resume between... Josh Boyer's history of developing corners and then Sam Madison. That's still really cool to say. And also Patrick Sertan working with the defensive backs as well, even though it's been more safety focused for Pat. Uh, It doesn't hurt to have that experience. Not to mention the experience of Stephen Gregory as the Dolphins safeties coach in that room who's been here for a couple of years now, gets the promotion to the safeties job. And all these guys have experience either playing successfully in the league or within this system with Coach Boyer at the helm. So it's it's really exciting to have that much talent in that group with all those good coaches on this Dolphins coaches staff here under Josh Boyer on the defensive side in that defensive backfield and up and down the entire roster, really. 
And just consider the impact that that's going to have on all the young guys in this Dolphins defensive backfield as well. Thinking about guys like that combination of Igbo and Trill and, and Keon Crossan too had a really good camp. And the way all those guys tackle and play physical up around the line, I think it's pretty important for your ability to stay flexible with the roster in the future and could potentially help you transition down the road if you want to go that route. But for today, the depth is just, it's just good. It is, it is what it is. Then at safety, we saw Javon Holland, Brandon Jones, and Eric Rowe, all three play a lot last year. All three of those guys are versatile players who have covered the slot a ton in college and in the pros. And you see that ability to match up when they get called upon. You know, I think Holland may be the most uh, adept at doing that, and Eric Rowe can play outside too. Then the interchangeability of Javon and Brandon. I mean, we know we know about their pressure numbers a season ago, and those are the guys that honestly play faster with every ounce of experience they get. We see it in training camp. Javon's been everywhere. Brandon's playing as fast as I've seen him. And then, of course, with Eero, it's nice to have a guy that you know can man up on a tight end and insert himself in the running game who can also cover down the field. It's, it's a rare showcase of skills there. Sheldrick Redwine, his special team's ability as well in that group, uh, part of that mix. And then the specialist. I mean, talk about Jason Sanders, who's always money in training camp. Thomas Morstead works his butt off every day in practice. It's fun to watch him condition out there. I think I saw one snap out of you know, hundreds that wasn't on the money from Blake this camp. And then with the coverage and return units, I mean, this team has... I don't know, 10 guys that have been core special teamers as recently as last year with this team or another between Smythe, Sherfield, Riley, Egwavon, Campbell, Fedulum, Igbenogany, Redwine. I mean, don't overlook that aspect of it either. So yeah, I've just been so impressed this camp. I'm excited to see how they evolve from here. A good test in Tampa Bay this week and a chance to just put more on tape to correct and grow and get better and, and learn from. We've got a month until the Patriots and I like the track this team is on. And just real quick before we get to our last break here and start talking about Warren Sharp's 2022 Dolphins preview in the final segment, if you haven't seen the article on The Athletic by Don Dan Pompey, I highly recommend it. I want to read this lead, then I'll just leave it to you guys, but it's titled Dolphins Coach Mike McDaniel, particular present, putting it all out there. And just read the first couple of lines here for you guys. A cloud of smoke hung in the air in a dimly lit cigar lounge in Houston in 2018. 49ers assistant John Embry and Mike McDaniel took a break from preseason work with the Texans. Embry, at that point, an NFL assistant for a decade, sensed McDaniel was feeling down, so he offered some encouragement. He told the young coach he was really smart, creative too. He listened well and had an incredible memory. He was naturally honest and self effacing didn't take himself too seriously and didn't care what anybody else thought about him he embraced embraced risk and then after a puff Embry told McDonald McDaniel <laughs> McDonald you have the qualities to not only be a head coach in the National Football League but to be a successful one end quote four years later the smoke comes from the orange blossom water poured over dry ice on a plate of Australian Wagyu beef the shimmering Atlantic Ocean reflects off the lenses of McDaniel's designer glasses he is a head coach as Embry envisioned he would be. That's great writing, man. Uh, Go check it out. The Athletic, Dan Pompey, Dolphins coach Mike McDaniel, particular, present, putting it all out there. I really, really enjoyed reading that piece, so go check it out. Let's take our last break and come back here and visit the Warren Sharp 2022 season preview. That's next on the Drive Time Podcast. Your host, Travis Wingfield, brought to you by AutoNation.
Every year, I love the summer content we get from season preview stuff, and Warren Sharp is one of the guys that is must-read material each offseason. He puts so much work into that season preview. I want to go ahead and just share a few key points from his 2022 Dolphins chapter before we get out of here and on to Tampa Bay. Shorter podcast today. Just looking at a few notes here. In 2020, defenses gave Miami the third least cushion in the NFL. Last year, that increased to 15 in pre-snap cushion. But the Dolphins, those two years, finished 32nd and 31st in separation from wide receivers. Individually, last year, Waddle was 35th out of 127 receivers. The rest was not very good. The Dolphins also had the last place finisher on their roster the last two years in terms of wide receiver separation. 2022 additions in their 2021 rank, Tyreek Hill's 14th last year, Cedric Wilson 20th. So to go from one guy in the top 35 to three guys in the top 35 in a category is going to be pretty key for this team, I think. He also notes the Niners last year were 7th, and in 2020, they were 10th in average separation, that Mike McDaniel offense last year. Dolphins had the 13th toughest schedule this year, according to Warren Sharp. The Niners under McDaniel led the league last season in yards per play, When Tua was not pressured in 2021, a 75% play success rate, that's based upon yardage gained on the particular down and how much you cut the the yards to gain in half or something like that. So first down, if you get five yards or more, successful play. On second down, if you cut the yardage in half, that's a successful down. On third down, if you convert, that's a successful play. So 75% play success rate, 83% accuracy with on-ball placement, or on-target placement, and 10.9 yards per pass. Since 2019, Jimmy G ranks first in the NFL in yards per attempt at 8.4, but was 42nd out of 43 qualifying quarterbacks in air yards. How is that possible, Warren asks? A 6.8 average yak per completion. That was best in the NFL over that time for the 49ers offense. If they can take some strides in those areas, a team that was 19th last year in passing EPA, That would pair well with the defensive production that we've had on top of the fact that the offensive success would keep the defense fresher and make opposing offenses more one-dimensional. That's, I mean, that's the idea, right? Some other fun notes here. Positional spending. Dolphins are number one at receiver and cornerback. 26 on the defensive line with that talent. That really stood out to me is just a crazy fact. But putting the resources into the passing game, you'd love to see it. Christian Wilkins was second in ESPN's run-stop win rate last year at 46%. He was sixth in pressure rate among his position group. And the D-line as a team was 10th in run-stop win rate. Emmanuel Ogba was 20th in pressure rate among edge defenders. Uh, you know, high volume guy too, produced 18 sacks and 45 QB hits the last couple of years here in Miami. Andrew Van Ginkle was seventh in pressures when you include defensive end and outside linebackers. Nick Needham was 11th among slots and adjusted air yards per coverage snap. It's a great number there for him. Then uh, let's see what else, what, what else we got here. With three safeties in the field, the Dolphins allowed just 4.18 yards per play, which was second best within three safety packages. So there's your Holland, Jones, and Rowe tangible you know, concept there as far as how they produce at that safety position. All right, really informative read, fun read. Check it out if you have not done so already. Check out the athletic article on Mike McDaniel. In the meantime, that's going to be my time. We're going to be back tomorrow with a practice report from Tampa Bay. But in the meantime, you all please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating, leave us a review. You can follow me on Twitter at Wingfield NFL. Follow the team at Miami Dolphins. Check out the Fish Tank podcast with Seth and Juice. Rob Conrad is up 
live right now. A crazy story about how he nearly lost his life, stuck out at sea, falling off a jet ski. You don't want to miss that one. We also have Twitter Spaces tomorrow night at 8 o'clock. Check out the YouTube channel for media availabilities, some drive time and fish tank content, and Dolphins today. Check out MiamiDolphins.com for the written training camp notebook. Caroline, Daddy's coming home. Fins up.